Hello, my name is Rourke Brackage, and I'm going to read you a story today written by Jane Wodening called Social Graces. The story appears in the book The Lady Orangutan and Other Stories. There had been a tea of some sort. I never got it clear what the gathering was about. Letty and Adelaide were on the committee. They always were, and they always would be, because they could be counted on, and they could cook. So Letty was helping to dish out the cake while Adelaide was in charge of the coffee pot. Early on, two women had come into the kitchen, and one of them asked which cakes were homemade. Letty told them that those with the whipped cream on top were homemade, and the two women said, didn't they have any without whipped cream? And Letty said, here, these over here didn't have whipped cream. But the two women said, Oh no, they had to have homemade, and those weren't homemade. So they took two pieces of the homemade cake, and one after the other, they went to the sink and dumped the whipped cream in the sink. Letty said she had never been so mad in all her days. Have you ever heard of anything as rude as that? Letty poured a cup of tea for me, and I reached over to the tray to get it. And as I brought the tea to my chair, I wanged my arm on the arm of the chair and sloshed the tea in the saucer. Actually, it was an act of incredible gymnastics on my part not to slop the whole thing onto the floor, which would have left Letty in the ghastly position of not enough tea to go around, and would have left me having done it again. But I didn't quite spill it, or not much of it, and Letty graciously covered the tense moment by going over the story again. The two women of the story had been around for a couple of years, and pestered everyone to no end, always coming into the kitchen and wanting the first chance at everything, and then always staying in the kitchen in everyone's way. Why do they act that way? Letty asked. Why did they throw the whipped cream into the sink? Letty remembered a previous gathering when Margaret was putting the cookies on the plates and took the job very seriously, putting just enough of each kind of cookie on each plate. And then these same two women started eating off of Margaret's perfection before the rest of the people had even arrived. And the time when dishes of nuts were put out, and the two women, who always seemed to be there early, were eating all the cashews out. Maybe somebody else would like some cashews, too, Letty had said. It seemed a long time since I had come into the room and seen that chocolate cake, dripping with rich, thick brown frosting. When Letty had begun to gesticulate with the cake knife, I had been encouraged but it seemed her intense concentration on the matter of these two women and their vulgarity made it impossible for her to apply the attention necessary to the task of cutting the cake. As Letty waved the cake knife in the air with her eyes snapping, she told the story again. Again with every moment savored and enjoyed to the full, she described the two women entering the kitchen and walking as Letty mimicked them like ladies in their nineties swinging their bodies to take tiny steps. Letty minced her mouth into a little pruny shape that people use to show a mouth that tries to be a rosebud and fails. 
She waggled her head so that I could almost see the parasols and lorgnettes promenading into the kitchen where Letty and Adelaide and other real women, mountain women, were doing real-life things like pouring coffee and cutting cake, putting a dollop of strawberries on and then a dab of whipped cream. Letty and Margaret had tried to get these two women out of the kitchen. There are places for you at the table, Margaret had urged, but the two had preferred to eat their cakes in the kitchen doorway. Deepening and prolonging Letty's wrath, and being very much in everyone's way. They came into the kitchen, Letty said. Which kind of cake is homemade? Letty minced prudently. Well, Letty quoted herself, and by this time I could have recited it in unison with her. These with the whipped cream are homemade. Haven't you got any without whipped cream? When she quoted the two women, she raised her already surprisingly high voice even higher and never neglected to waggle her head. Another gesture she used to characterize them was stiffened fingers and almost grotesquely bent wrists. Well, she was quoting herself again now, and her gestures were refreshingly her own. These pieces over here have no whipped cream. Oh no, the two women squeaked, waggled and gesticulated. Those aren't homemade. We couldn't have those. So they took two pieces of the homemade cake, and one after another, they dumped the whipped cream in the sink. Can you imagine? Adelaide told me last year's big story about the lady who always liked real cream in her coffee and made a big fuss every time she was offered any of the synthetic powdered creams. So their next gathering, the hostess mixed up the powdered stuff with water beforehand and put it in a pitcher and the hoity-toity lady was delighted real cream how wonderful how delicious but this year's story was clearly the winner how could they do that some of these people from the city think that we mountain folk have no upbringing at all said adelaide they think once they get up here they can do just anything and we won't know the difference at last the cake came, and Letty picked up her fork, and we all ate the chocolate cake with the chocolate frosting, and drank the tea. And when that was through, I had an almost ungovernable urge to lick my saucer, or ask for another piece. But I didn't. Hello, I'm Rourke Brackage. I will be reading to you a story titled The Bumblebee, and it appears in the book The Lady Orangutan and Other Stories by Jane Wodening. The Bumblebee The sun shone in the big window that morning, and I had the top of the Dutch door open, and I was sitting by the window in the big chair reading a book. And then into the house came a big, furry bumblebee and she started hammering herself against the big window, making a horrendous noise and disturbing my reading. I do not swat flies, generally speaking. For one thing, I see a lot of personality in flies. On the other hand, I consider flies to be one of the best of bird foods, and I love birds. And then, of course, if you kill the flies, you leave a smudge on the window. So what I do 
is I have a clear plastic cup that I keep on the windowsill and a white card that covers the cup's mouth. When a fly comes in, I catch them with that cup on the window, slide the card under and lock them in, carry them to the door and release them. Very slowly and cautiously, I took the cup and started chasing the bumblebee. But the bumblebee didn't want to be caught. She got behind things. She would tear across the window from one hiding place to another. Finally, I told her, I'm doing this for your own good. I said it aloud. Expressing fear or making sudden movements will make a creature attack. Everyone knows this. Mostly, insects are unaware of us huge creatures until we chase them with a fly swatter or a cup. Since I continued so slow and inexorable, the bumblebee did not go into attack mode until I finally got her in the cup and sealed it up. With her belated rage screaming there in my hands, I walked to the door, and reaching under the top half of the door, I released her and watched her tear off into the woods. I was exhausted. On the following morning, the sun shone brightly through the big window, so I opened the top half of the Dutch door and settled in the chair to read a book. In through the open door came a great bumblebee, and she started hammering herself against the window, disturbing my reading. Well, I knew what to do. I took the cup, and with slow, cautious movements, I caught her with very little difficulty. I was amazed to note that she did not go into attack mode on the occasion of being caught, but walked calmly on the clear plastic. Reaching the top of the Dutch door, I released her again and watched, in amazement as she took off into the woods. It was so peaceful. On the following day, the sun shone brightly in through the big window, so I opened up the Dutch door and settled down in the chair to read. It was an exciting part of the book, so that sound of the bumblebee came to me dimly at first, but I finally looked up and saw her. She was hammering herself again and again, not at the window, but at the plastic cup. I reached my hand to the cup. I was unafraid. She flew to the middle of the big window, and I gently placed the cup over her and slid the card slowly in. She walked onto the card. I studied her through the plastic. She was calm and assured as I walked to the Dutch door and released her. I watched her fly off into the woods. I never saw her again.